This is Brother Michael A. Smith, a voice for Freemasonry, bringing to you the Short Talk Bulletin, published by the Masonic Service Association of North America every month since 1923. This, the Short Talk Bulletin podcast, is produced in cooperation with the MSA and is made possible with the generous support of a grant from the Grand Lodge AF&AM of Minnesota. I'm Brother Dex Rowe. From whence came we? From October 1932. By common consent, the Missouri River flows into the Mississippi River, yet had geographers named them otherwise, the upper Mississippi might have flowed into the Missouri. Stand near the mouth of the mighty river which drains a continent, and none will dispute you when you say, This is the Mississippi. No man may pick up a cup of its water and say, This is the Missouri River water. Yonder is a drop or two of the Ohio. Beyond flows some of the Arkansas River. We know that the Mississippi River is made up that tiny stream which rises in Lake Araska in northern Minnesota, joined by the Missouri, the Ohio, the Arkansas, the Red River, the Minnesota, the Des Moines, the Illinois, and the Yazoo. And each of these has a hundred tributaries. Each of these tributaries is formed by thousands of creeks, springs, runs, brooks, all combined flow into the Gulf of Mexico as the mighty Mississippi. It is a common place of primary education that the first colonies on this continent began in Massachusetts, New York, and Virginia. Thirteen states formed the United States. An empire was won by war with the Indians purchased from other nations and conquest of the West. Into this land of opportunity have poured people from all other nations. Negroes, so-called in those days, were imported from the savage African wilds a few hundred years ago. Irish, French, Germans, Russians, Hollanders, East Indians, Swedes, and Norwegians all came, settled, married, intermarried. The melting pot melted, and from the poured metal came the race of Americans. But from whence came the United States? Where does the Mississippi really rise? No man may answer because the truth is so complex and has so many ramifications. Only when we lump them all in one phrase and say the United States originated in the world and the Mississippi comes from all over the continent do we phrase the truth and then, while truthful, (laughs) it is not an answer. Much the same is true of Freemasonry. From whence came we is as unanswerable in a sentence, a paragraph, a page, I in a book, as in a query to the origin of the nation or its mightiest river. The United States is a product of time and all peoples. The Mississippi is a product of a thousand streams. Freemasonry is a product of a hundred cults, religions, organizations, crafts, guilds, beliefs, ideas, and associations. Masonic historians are generally agreed on its course for a hundred years back, at least. The most cautious critic will not deny that the Mississippi is the Mississippi, and not some other river or combination of rivers, at least from the Gulf to Cairo, where the Ohio empties, or it is the Mississippi which, mm, or is it the Mississippi which empties into the Ohio? 
Well, documentary evidence sufficient for any court of law carries the Masonic stream back at least 215 years to the formation of the Mother Grand Lodge in London in 1717. The vast majority of Masonic historians go competently much further. Comparatively few dispute that Freemasonry as we know it, speculative, is an outgrowth of an older operative masonry composed of builders, architects, stonecutters, and setters, but before them, what? Our earliest document, Regis' poem, is dated with considerable confidence about A.D. 1390, but it is obviously a copy of an older document or documents and speaks of a craft evidently full-grown, working, and organized from whence came it, a chorus answers from York, England, in the year 926. And before it can be interrupted, it speaks of the Regis poem, the Cook Manuscript, the labors of Huon, Mackey, and others, as evidence that the General Assembly of Masons actually was held in the old city at the date set forth. Without prejudice, let us agree for the moment, but then... From whence came those ancient York Masons? This time, the answering chorus is deafening. A very learned student, A.E. Waite, offers the mystical theory that Freemasonry is the modern repository of the secret doctrine supposed to have been preserved in many religions, in many lands, in all ages. Leader Scott and W. Ravenscroft, to mention only two, argue convincingly that the Collegia, driven from Rome, took refuge on the island of Comencina in Lake Como, there to preserve for centuries the arts and knowledge of the Masons of Rome, until the world was again ready for the master builders. The theories that Freemasonry originated among the Kabbalists, the Hermitists, the Rosicrucians, the Essenes, or the Druids have many devout believers. Le Plongeon, the explorer, found evidence which satisfied him that Freemasonry in a certain form existed among the Mayas nearly 12,000 years ago. Agree for a moment on one of these theories. Consider that modern Freemasonry is indeed a lineal descendant from the Roman Collegia via the Comesian Masters. And again, we come to the question, from whence came the Roman Collegia? Answers are not lacking. From the Dionysian artificers, from the Eleusinian mysteries, from the religions of ancient Egypt. The choice is wide and the field free, but always the searcher for truth ends with a question. No matter how far back he carries his stream of investigation, no matter how well satisfied he is that it is the Missouri which flows into the Mississippi, that Americans are direct descendants from Anglo-Saxons, always the question remains, from whence? From whence comes the first river? From whence came those who founded the nation? From whence came those who began the Eleusinian mysteries, the progenitors of the Dionysian artificers. Where did the priests of Egypt obtain the legend of Isis and Osiris? 
The average brother in large is apt to retort, oh, well, these are all side issues. There must have been some one mainstream of Freemasonry. Perhaps all these other sources had something to do with it, just as water from the Red River does get into the Mississippi. But there must be some one parent, some backbone of the system, just as there is one stream which flows north and south, and which is the Mississippi, and into which all others flow. Alas, there must have been is not an argument. It is merely a supposition based on everyday analogies. The tree has a trunk and many branches. The flower has a stem and many leaves. Therefore, Freemasonry must have had trunk and many branches, and therefore our order must have descended from this or the other previous association. It would be an intense satisfaction to many if there must have been a main stem of Freemasonry could be proved to be true. Well, so far, the proof is of so many main stems that the logical-minded cannot admit any one to the exclusion of the others. No one can read Ravenscroft and Leader Scott, even the Comacene article in the modern edition of Mackey's Encyclopedia, and not be convinced that there is something in it. But if the Comacene theory is the real truth, we must cast aside a number of other theories, each of which has excellent arguments and some evidence to attest its verity. Questions as to origins are the more difficult of answer, because the line of reasoning which satisfies one man leaves another critically unbelieving. One historian demands documents, written evidence, something he can hold in his hand and read with his eye. Another is content to reason by similarities of practice. Thus, circumnabulation is a descendant through many religions, rites, and secret associations from nature worship in general and fire worship in particular. And therefore, says this believer, the real origin of Freemasonry must be looked for among the fire worshipers. The third man is led or misled by similarities of symbols. The Chinese used the square as a moral symbol at least 4,000 years ago. The principle of acting on the square was enunciated in the Far East long before our golden rule was phrased. But few, if any, contend for ancient China as the cradle of modern Freemasonry. As well believe that because we trace the point within a circle to the most ancient religion of India, therefore among the Parsis or the Brahmins are the beginnings of Freemasonry to be found. Man's early culture in all lands had certain similarities, which seem to have been inevitable. The bow and shaft was a means of making fire in many primitive tribes. No one race can claim the discovery of weaving. Indeed, primitive looms in lands as widely separated as South America and Ireland show similarities of spreader and heddle, which seem impossible except as separate inventions of the same thing by different people because of similar needs. It is reasonable to suppose that square, point, and circle, triangle, circumnabulation, pillars, altar, compasses, 
gavel, to mention only a few of the older symbols, were not the inventions or discoveries of any one people, religion, association, priesthood, or craft, but the product of needs as far-flung as the ancient peoples of the earth. If indeed there was one point of origin on the earth's surface at which the first man came into being and from whose tribe all other peoples are descended, and if it could be proved that this one tribe had a religion in which these symbols were associated with moral teachings, then indeed we might with confidence answer the question, from whence came we? Needless to say, there is no such point, tribe, religion, or symbol known. It'll be obvious that this paper does not attempt to answer the question, which is its title, with any hard and fast dogma. Even the Orthodox school does not attempt a dogma. Perhaps the most generally accepted or orthodox belief as to the beginning of Freemasonry may be phrased somewhat as follows. The craft is a descendant of operative Masons. Their operatives inherited from unknown beginnings, of which there may have been several and probably many practices and some form of ritual. Speculative Masonry, reaching back through operative Masonry, touches hands with those who followed unknown religions in which, however, many of the speculative principles must have been taught by the use of symbols as old as mankind and therefore universal, and not the product of any one people or time. This phrasing may draw criticism from those who are convinced of the sufficiency of our knowledge of these unknown beginnings. The proponent of the Comocene theory will point to his Comocene knots and defy the Orthodox to dispute the descent of modern Freemasonry from the Roman guilds. He who believes that the legend of Hiram Abiff is the heart and center of Freemasonry in all ages will demand disproof of his belief that Isis and Osiris were its father and mother. But the burden of proof rests with those who propose a theory. Freemasonry had no one origin at any one city in any one nation. It was not formed by any one set of men, any one guild or association, at any one building. Here a root descends to a religion. There a branch waves in the air of an old mystery. Yonder is a path to a guild of craftsmen. Here a devotee lays a symbol on its altar. From primitive magic, from ancient religions, from mysticism, symbolry, the occult, architecture, history, pagan rite, and Christian observance come each with some influence. The Jews had a part in it. The Greeks had a word for it. Savages contributed. Servants influenced it. Kings made laws about it. Humble men followed it. Ages of time, millions of men, thousands of cults, hundreds of localities, beliefs, as many as men who subscribed to them. All were drops which ran over sands and rocks, the hills and the valleys of history to unite in this stream, that brook, this spring, that creek, 
this rivulet, that waterfall, which running each into each, uniting one at a time, gradually formed the river which we call Freemasonry. So consider all the hypotheses may be correct. No other theory can reconcile the evidence and the arguments, nor is any other viewpoint sufficiently elevated to get a true perspective of what we know of this mighty torrent which we call the ancient craft. Thank you for listening. This is Brother Michael A. Smith, a voice for Freemasonry. And this has been the Short Talk Bulletin Podcast, produced in cooperation with the Masonic Service Association of North America for the purpose of providing a common stock of vetted Masonic information to all of the constituent lodges of all of the member jurisdictions and is made possible through a generous grant from the Grand Lodge AFNAM of Minnesota, who have been engaging and inspiring good men who believe in a supreme being to live according to the Masonic tenets of brotherly love, relief, and truth since 1853.